Hi everyone, Isha here. Just wanted to give you guys a trigger warning for predatory sexual behavior, uh, attempted sexual assault, and I believe that's about it. So hopefully this will be the last trigger warning for Sailor Moon Super S, and hopefully we won't have to do this again for Sailor Moon Stars. Thank you, and hope you enjoy the episode! Welcome to Oshiokyo, our Sailor Moon podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Isha, and in this episode we'll be talking about episodes 146 to 151 of Sailor Moon Super S. We have reached the end of the Amazon trio. And I don't think there were any episodes in this batch that I hated. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I didn't like this the first one. I didn't hate it, though. I didn't hate any of these episodes, but I did not like episode 146, which is basically Roman Holiday, but with Sailor Moon. And well, not as good. It It's definitely <laughs> inspired by Roman Holiday. Even but the out, like, her outfit, her hair. But, Aud- <laughs> but Audrey Hepburn is a complete moron in this one. Right? So. Oh my gosh, they were just like, we're gonna make this princess have to do foreign visits around the world, but also we're gonna lobotomize her. But all, like, her outfits, her princess dress, and her her civilian dress are, like, exactly Audrey Hepburn and Roman Holiday, and I was just like, are you for real? Oh yeah. (laughs) They even thickened, did you notice they even thickened up her eyebrows compared to other characters? Oh my god, they did! And unlike most, they did. And unlike most characters with blonde hair, she has brown eyes. Usually, uh-huh. usually characters yeah. with with blonde hair have blue eyes, and so the fact that she was brown eyed, I was like, hmm. I I'm wondering if they made her blonde just to differentiate her slightly from Audrey Hepburn, or if they wanted to mash her up with um, Lady Di, because um, Princess Diana was. Very popular in Japan at that time. I mean, Princess Diana was very popular worldwide, and I think at the time that this was written, devised, and aired, Princess Diana was still alive, because I think she died in 97 or 98, so. Yeah, but Japan made a whole anime based off her. I mean, look. (laughs) Yeah, Princess Diana anime, when did that I mean, I've never really understood the Princess Diana obsession. Like, I really didn't understand it as a kid. And, like, this is not to to say that Princess Diana did not do anything important. She did a lot of really great charitable works, uh, especially for the AIDS crisis, and I appreciate that now as an adult. But as a kid, I was just like, I don't know why we care about the princess of a country that we kicked out. (laughs) like i'm from like my parents are from india and i'm from the u.s and it's just like okay i'm from two countries that specifically kicked out the english (laughs) oh so that anime came out in 1986 oh my god she was like yeah she was like in her mid-20s that's so weird i did not know there was a princess die anime i did it it. oh my god that's the thing it's it's like a, it's um, kind of like a biography. That is too funny. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think it's just a special. I don't think it was a series. Okay, that, I'm glad it wasn't a series, because that yeah, seems it was a special. really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was a special. Yeah, I'm oh, double checking. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, 
<laughs> Anyways, the main character or the victim of this episode is Princess Rubina of the Amethyst Kingdom, which reminds me a lot of Princess D from um, the Diamond Kingdom from the first season. And, and there is a, a news report saying that, you know, she's visiting, but unfortunately she's been ill and they've called a doctor to like wherever she's staying because she's she won't be able to fulfill her duties. And... Um, I don't remember which character said, you know, like, oh, she's probably faking it so she doesn't have to do her duties. And Diana is like, oh, yeah, the king and queen in the future do that all the time. They always get better by the time the event is over. But they always somehow get sick when they have to do events. <laughs> yeah, there, she was talking to was Luna, Luna and yeah. Artemis. And Luna was like, even the king does yeah. this? Like, Luna is fully expecting Usagi to do this. So finding out that Mamoru also does this in the future, <laughs> Luna's like... Really? It's it's so cute. Yeah, literally everybody speculates that she's faking Mm -hmm. it. Because, like, they clip to... They they show the Amazon trio at some Mm -hmm. point, and they do it. um, And, of course, the cats do that. And then they... they, When the inner senshi are chatting amongst themselves, like, the same thing gets brought up. And I'm wondering if it's just because everybody has, like... They know the movie Roman right. Holiday. <laughs> so everybody's just speculating over the Right, plot, everyone's you know? just like, she's pulling a Roman <laughs> Holiday. Like, they're really lampshading this, but on the lampshade are, like, yeah. the frames of Roman Holiday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody's like, it's this, yeah. though. I mean, the fact that she's even wearing her, her outfit. The, the same, same outfit. <laughs> and, like, I've only seen Roman Holiday in black and white, but the cover is in color. And, like, it's the same, like, teal blue uh-huh. skirt and white button-up. <laughs> yeah. And flats. Yeah, it's often, yeah, it's often colorized to, to depict it like a, like a pale blue for her pants, for, I mean, for mm. her skirt. But I think it was actually a khaki. Oh, yeah, you know? so it shows but, up on screen. Um, oh, super random, super random coincidence that means mm-hmm. nothing. Uh... Pull-Up Dolls has both done uh, a Sailor Moon doll and a Roman Holiday doll. Oh! So, uh... Hey! Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Worlds collide. Uh, meanwhile, Usagi and Chibisa yeah. are heading home from the grocery store, and Usagi is carrying all of the groceries and asking Chibisa for help. And anyway, there's, like, a whole argument about carrying groceries. Anyway, Princess Rubina, who does fully introduce herself as Rubina later, uh, she shows up and she's like, well, if you need help, people should help you. And like stops two men in the middle of the sidewalk with her hand saying like, you need to help this girl carry groceries. And the men are like standing there blushing because this is a beautiful woman commanding them to do things. Uh, and Isagi and Chibisa are like, uh, no, we're good. <laughs> and they leave. Yeah. Yeah. I like how the men, they don't just jump on it either. Like, yes, they are flustered by her, but also what? Yeah, (laughs) which is like a totally normal reaction. It's very obvious that like the weird person in this situation is Rubina. And like everyone's like, we need to leave because we don't know what's happening. Um, Meanwhile, in the Amazon Trio bar, uh, we kind of expect Tiger's Eye to go after her. But Tiger's Eye is like, she's too old for me and I don't want her. So it's, it's a Hawk's Eye episode. Which is like, wait, she's what? Because, like, how old is she supposed right. to be? Just, are just adults? Adults. Are adults too old for you? I guess if you're over the age of 20, Tiger's Eye isn't interested. 
So, so you have to be between the ages of five and twenty. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! So anyway, so anyway. Uh, meanwhile, Usagi and Chibi are at home. There is a festival going on because it's summer, so they change into yukatas. It's very cute. Uh, and as soon as they open the door, Rubina is just standing out there, and they're like, hello? She's like, hi, and introduces herself, and they introduce themselves, and she's like, I see you're going to a festival, take me with you. And so they're like, uh, okay. And so they take her to the festival, and, like, we see, like, several shots of her experiencing, you know, Japanese festival life. And in every scene, every, like, little still, you see Usagi and Chibiusa giving her the most massive side eye. With every experience. She's delighted by everything, and they're just like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, she basically, I mean, she stalked them. She followed them to their house. God, she's like the weirdest person. It really, it's kind of like somebody, I'm wondering if, like, they saw Roman Holiday in English, so they didn't understand it. Like, they didn't know the plot. They just watched this princess, like, run away and be flighty and just do whatever, you know? Right. But, like, it's very... I don't remember the the princess's name in Roman Holiday, but it was, like, very clear that she was intelligent. She was just really sick of her duties and she wanted to just explore. And, like, that's the case with Rubina. I mean, but were... Rubina is stupid as fuck. <laughs> yeah. She was um, Princess Anne, mm-hmm. I think. God, that was such a beautiful movie. And... Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it is a really just at, just at the yeah, end when uh, like you know the reporter asks like what was your favorite city to visit, you know on the tour and she has like the prepared answer of like all of them have their benefits and then she's and then she's just moved and she's like Rome, even though as far as anyone else knows yeah. like she hasn't been to Rome because she was sick the whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, right. It's it's, it's really a, cute. If you haven't seen. If you haven't seen the classic movie Roman Holiday starring Audrey Hepburn and uh, get and on Gregory that. Peck, who is hot as fuck, yeah, he's a very he's so pretty man, and he plays a very great. Oh my character. god, he's so pretty. Yeah, he the whole scene character. with the mouth. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh it, yeah, that was great. Um, and I love the barber. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's let's wrap up this episode. He's- Otherwise. Let's wrap up uh, episode 146, where we're just going to be talking about how good Roman Holiday is. <laughs> like, rather than talking about uh, this episode, we're talking about how much better the movie it, it was, was copied. Right, like, it was is, so, it was so, so anyway. good that, like, Roman Holiday was one of the only scripts Audrey Hepburn ever kept. Like, uh-huh. Really? I think she Aww. kept, like, two scripts out of all of the movies Aww. she ever did, and Roman Holiday was one of them. She loved that movie. That's cute. It's a good It's so good. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Rubina. <laughs> it's still a good movie. Anyway, Rubina pulls a Princess Jasmine um, and, like, sees some kid throwing a tantrum because his mom won't get him a balloon. And so she just hands him a balloon. Um, and then a bunch of. That kid was a being a real little. Oh, my shit. God. Like, he was screaming so hard he was turning yeah. red. And she, she just gave him what he wanted. I'm just. It, that and, poor like, mother. She kind of. Like, she was having flashbacks of, like, them telling her she was being a spoiled brat and that she's not allowed to go out and stuff like that. And I'm like, girl, it is not the same thing. This kid throwing the biggest fit in the world. He he doesn't need a balloon. He needs a good spanking. Mm -hmm. Like, no, sorry. Yeah, do not reward this child. 
And then, no. like, a whole bunch of other kids come up, and she's like, do you guys want balloons, too? And then she just starts handing out balloons, and the balloon stall owner is like, cool, uh, are you gonna pay for the balloons? And she looks at him, and she's like, what's money? And at this point, I was sick of Rubina. I was just like, ma'am, you are a princess of a kingdom. You know what money is. Yes. Yeah, like, it's one thing for Princess Jasmine like, not to realize that she has to give money because she's never done it before. But, like, she literally is kept in the palace at all times. You know? Like, she might really... Yeah. And she also she also does offer to pay him yeah. back. Princess Jasmine does. You, you cannot live in society um, and not know money. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> And Hawksai, like, comes out to, like, help well, her. Well, here's the thing. The, she the balloon out. stall owner gets really violent. Like, he literally pulls his hand back to hit her. Which was shocking to me. Yeah. And then Hawksai comes in and, like, pushes, you know, grabs his hand and throws him to the ground. And is, like, you know, tries to be a knight in shining armor. But then he tells Rubina that he knows who she is. And Rubina's like, oh, fuck, you've been sent by my people to drag me back. And she has a meltdown a little bit and she screams that she's a free person and he can't make her do anything and she hits him and runs off and so as Hawkeye is about to chase after her the balloon stall owner has like gotten up and he's like okay clearly you're with her and in the process of yelling at Hawkeye she's knocked over the balloon stall so all the balloons have gone into the air and uh the balloon stall owner is like so you're paying for this right because you know her and Hawksai is like, uh, sure, here's a thousand yen. And dude's like, no. <laughs> That's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is how much in US dollars about? Um, so probably about $10. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he tried to pay like 10 bucks for an entire balloon yeah. stand. Um. Yeah, and, like, they really had to make the balloon stand owner, like, a complete and total violent abusive mm-hmm. asshole to try to make it seem like he was in the wrong. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, he is the one who's been the victim here. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, this woman has given away or lost his entire inventory and that's just kind of done for laughs because they're like, oh, he's a bad guy, though. He deserves it because he was going to go and slap her. And it's just like, uh. Like, if the balloon stall owner had been a woman and slapped her, like, I don't think people would have had much issue because it's like, yeah, no, she deserves it. It's just not good optics when it's an old man doing that to a young woman. Yeah, no, it's not for sure. Uh, But they had to write, they I, if they, they had to write him that aggressively. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, we would have sympathized with him. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Isagi and Chibius are looking for Rubina because she left them to go give a balloon to a spoiled child. You know, they're searching all over, and Rubina's, like, running off, and she meets Mamoru in the street. And um, Mamoru has Diana with him. Like, she's just kind of, like, in a pocket or something, like she's hiding on his person. But Diana is with him. And so they have a talk, and Mamoru knows immediately who she is because Mamoru has eyes and um, he <laughs> and he he talks to her and she, about responsibility. Mm-hmm. And she hasn't even like changed her no. name. 
She's like not calling herself a princess, but she's still calling herself Rubina. And she's running around like, how do you know who I am? Just like, because you're telling people who you are. Yeah. It's like, madam, you're not Japanese. and You're running around telling people your name is Rubina. Like, like everybody knows who you are, ma'am. <laughs> um, but she, uh, but he gives her the speech, and she relates to it, and she like immediately forms a crush on him because, of course, she does. Uh, and then Isagi and Chibiusa appear because they've been looking for her, and they see Mama Chan. They're like, "Oh, you should join us for fireworks!" And he's like, "No, I've got stuff I need to do." But you guys have fun, and so they turn and they scold, like they scold Rubina for running off because they're like, "You can't just leave people. You have to tell us where you're going." Because we were really worried about you. And she's like, oh, wow. And, like, Chibiusa really lays into her. And Isagi looks at her. And, again, it's just like you've been reading Ikukomama's books again, haven't you? <laughs> I like that that's a running I really thing. love that. Um, uh, anyway, they yeah. go to watch the fireworks. Chibiusa and Isagi move closer. So they leave Rubina behind. And so, of course, this is when Hawkeye grabs Rubina who is just like, I'm going, who, because she still believes that he's been sent by her people, um, she confronts him and she's like, I will go back just tonight, like, let me have tonight and I'll go back uh, once the festival is done. And he's like, I'm not a representative of your government. <laughs> and so he attacks because he's extra pissed because she's cost him so much money. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, Sailor Moon and Sailor Chippy Moon arrive um, and Hawkeye sends out Elefanko-san. And it's this elephant on their hind legs balancing a ball on their trunk. And the ball is the enemy because Elefanko-san is related to the watermelon lady and Gomumaro. And she says, I, like, Gomumaro was my brother-in-law. And then spends about five minutes talking shit about all of her family members. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And I love her. It, it, it was a nice... um it was a nice reversal of like their encounter with the Gobumaru, mm-hmm. um, who was like, "I'm taking revenge for my my cousin," mm-hmm. you know, and instead she's like, "Oh my god, I hated those guys. Oh my god, you don't even know." You know? <laughs> she's just like, "Like I'm not really mad that you killed him, but also I have to kill you." <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. And unlike um, with the seal who just kind of vanished, this time the episode shows, like, once Hawkseye has done the, the whole dream mirror shtick, Hawkseye opens up a portal to leave, and the elephant jumps through the portal and gets stuck, and Hawkseye has to push it through yeah. so they can both leave. And I I did yeah. love that part. That was the best part of the episode for me. That was cute. That was very entertaining. Was, that yeah, was this funny. whole part with fighting um, the bad guys was really good because Elefanka does have them on the run, and it's very, it's very funny. And Tuxedo Common comes in and he throw he throws a rose, but unlike the last two, the rose misses, and he's like, "Ah, oh, damn!" And so he moves and positions himself like he's doing a pool shot, and then uses his staff to knock Elefanka off so Sailor Moon can do a Moon Gorgeous meditation. It's so funny. Oh, I, I thought the rose just got run over. Oh, did it get run over? Oh, I thought, yeah, I guess he was. Gonna, it, yeah, he like threw it. It hit the ground, and she just like ran right oh. over it. Like I thought maybe he was trying to stop it, but I could have misread the no, situation. No, I might too. fully be misremembering it when I wrote down the notes because I just knew that the rose didn't work. Yeah, he threw the rose. It hit the ground, and she just like barreled over it. And then he's like, "Oh, huh." <laughs> <laughs> but it was very cool. And again, it's just like. Where did you get 
this magical extending stick. Did you kill Sun Wukong? Like, <laughs> we'll never we'll know. Never know. Um, it's very fine. It's very funny. Uh, anyway, uh, Rubina goes back. Everything's fine. Whatever episode ends. Uh, moral moral of the story is... No consequences were had. Yeah, no consequences. Moral of the story is go watch Roman Holiday. That is... Yep, that's right. <laughs> episode 147. Uh, I love the opening of this because it's the Amazon trio and Zirconia all watching, like, a recap of that episode where they tried to trap pegasus in a cage and they're all wearing 3d glasses it's just such a funny yeah. sight and then of course as soon as it ends zirconia take they all take off their glasses and zirconia yells at them and they are like we don't have real clues like how can we find pegasus like you're literally just telling us to assault people and see if their dream mirror has this horse in it and she's just like use your heads and it's again like she's not a good manager yeah I I know I'm an adult when I'm just like, you're not being a good boss. Yes, I know you're evil, but is, be better. This... Yeah. This episode and next episode makes the Amazon trio um, more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of frustrating because I I wish they had gone one of two routes. I wish either they had set them up being sympathetic from the beginning so that, and, you know, make them less assholes preying on mm-hmm. people. So that we could have kind of been rooting for them, you know? Um, kind of like we did with the Spectre si- mm-hmm. sisters. Um, the Ayakashi mm-hmm. sisters. Uh, but instead, they wait until they're almost gone to give them any kind of deeper... Um, any kind of deeper personalities and any kind of sympathetic background, which like the tools for them to have a sympathetic background were there because they are humanoid, but they were animals. And we'll get into that in the next Mm -hmm. episode. But yeah, it kind of makes me sad because like in these last two episodes, I start feeling kind of bad for them because they are kind of set up to be, you know, sympathetic. Mm -hmm. But they've done so much crap, you know? They've been predators, just flat-out predators, that it's like, uh... But y'all got... But you gotta go, though. Yeah, they decided to walk back on the evilness of them, you know? It's, it's like, the issue that I have with a yeah. lot of uh, Disney live-action stuff that, include, that like, focuses on villains, because it's like, well, are they really that bad? And it's just like, yes... Maleficent wanted to kill a baby. Stick with that. Yeah. Go with that. Don't make it like, yeah. oh, actually, that's not the real story. No, it was. That's what fairies do. They murder babies. <laughs> and they, like, they could have... this The setup for them to be sympathetic was there. Because there really was no reason for them to be as predatory as they were. There just wasn't. And we had these moments where, like, I they could have... Like, Fisheye would have been the easiest to make more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. That's why I was always playing devil's advocate for him. Because, it, like, poor guy got burned more than once. Where it's like, uh, I don't know. Like, was he really in the wrong for that? Or was that, like, really a- an okay conclusion to that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, like, and- from the start, the Ayakashi sisters were like, okay, they're evil. 
they've had a really harsh life and you can see that they're all being emotionally manipulated by Rubius right from the start. You know, they're not, they're willing participants, but it's really obvious that they've had um, a lot of terror and abuse in their life. And like, they can only sort of count on each other and Rubius, but in the worst possible way. And every time they have to encounter the senshi, whether in, you know, their senshi form or in civilian form, like that episode with Mako and Minako arguing about, you know, love and that big ass potion, you know, like pets and, and, uh, Calaveras were both like, dang, these girls have good points. And so that was incorporated from the start of their introduction of like, you know, these people are messed up, but they're still people. Whereas with Tiger's Eye, Hawk's Eye, and Fish Eye, it's kind of like, well, these are just flat bad guys. And then yeah. at the end, they're like, well, yeah, and it, isn't there something to pity about them? Yeah, because we have, um, and we do have these moments where I like, I, Fish Eye, I feel like would have been the easiest. Tiger's Eye, I feel like with some effort and less creepiness, mm-hmm. he could have been redeemable. Like we'll see in this episode, he starts to catch feels, mm-hmm. and we also saw in the episode um, with uh, Shingo that there was a moment where he's like, huh, I guess I don't have any friends. And, you know, right. maybe they could have done something that maybe it's like he could have been like, well, maybe if I was human, I would have friends, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. But they don't. So let's get into this episode <laughs> where uh, for a second, Tiger's Eye does catch feels and they did nothing. Yeah, because it's too late. It's too late. Because <laughs> uh, the next two episodes are the end of the it's Amazon trio. Uh, so in the bar, Tiger's Eye is like, fuck it, if Zirconia wants me to find people, I'm going to find people. And he sloops up all the letters, the letters, all of the photos, because he's like, I'm just going to hit all these girls at once. Uh, and Fisheye and Hagsly are like, kind of impressed that he would do that all at once. But then they realize that he dropped one photo, and it's Mako-chan. And then we cut to Mako-chan in this beautiful off-the-shoulder black gown with, like, this big rose at the bottom, and it's really... I don't really care for the rose, but she looks fabulous. Like, all the girls are dressed up, but Mako-chan is the most beautiful, uh, in my opinion, because they're all dressed up for a fancy dress ball <laughs> uh, at the the college fair for uh, uh, Mamoru and Motoki's college. And we see Motoki and Unazuki again, which is nice, because we haven't seen Motoki in a while. And... Um, they talk about how the fancy dress ball usually results in a lot of people becoming couples or, you know, or getting engaged. If it's later on, like a lot of people, the couples that form at the end of this ball usually end up getting married. And Unizuki is just like, isn't that how you got Reika? And everyone's like, ooh! And like, we get this gif, we get this <laughs> scene, which is this gif of Mamoru. It's a popular gif where he just slides in making like an eyebrow raising face at Motoki. And he's like, Motoki's like, not you too, Mamoru. Like, you can't. <laughs> yeah, It's so cute. Oh, and, and when we say fancy dress, we mean it in the American sense, not in the European mm-hmm. sense. It's not a costume party. No. It's like a ball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As a side note, in case it wasn't right, obvious. right, right. It, it's a modern, modern dress, like fancy modern dress. Anyway, like a prom. Yes, like a prom. Exactly like a prom. Uh, anyway, at the dance, everyone is dancing except Mako Chan, who's standing against the wall. Ami comes up to her and asks her why she's not dancing, and Mako Chan's like, "Well, no one asks the tall girl to dance." 
And Ami immediately puts out her hand and says, would you like to dance with me? And they go out on the dance floor. And it was just one of those things where I was just like, yeah, this is this is the evidence of the Mercury-Jupiter ship. Because a lot of people have shipped them. Like, <laughs> people started to ship them in the Brett Butler episode in the first season. Uh, and, oh, really? Yeah. Um, so this is a, a pop... It's not really popular because uh, <laughs> in the English-speaking world, Mercury and Jupiter are not particularly popular century but uh it's one of the established ships so it's venus mars mercury jupiter and this 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 okay. scene is where i was just i could see yeah that. this scene was where i was like yeah yeah this is when the ship starts for me like i see this <laughs> it's cute <laughs> okay i could see it i can get behind that mm-hmm. ship i'm good with that can it's you cute. imagine them being together and like ami coming home from a long day at the hospital to makachan having a beautiful meal prepared for her oh my right? god yes i love it so cute oh my god okay <laughs> and like but anyways to, the moment gets ami ruined. going to work with the with a handmade bento Oh my god, right? this picture. Anyway. Aww, so <laughs> It'd be adorable. Anyway, like you said, the moment is ruined because Tiger's like comes in and everyone's like, <gasps> because he's beautiful. And he stops the music. Yeah. He swoops in on Mako-chan because he's like, well, she's not in the group of photos, but like she looks cool. So I'm going to use her to grab everyone's attention. And so they have the, they, is it a waltz? Uh, yeah, it's some kind of waltz or so yeah. get. I mean, with anime art, it's kind of hard yeah. to tell. Well, I mean, I was hoping, because the <laughs> music know? that's playing, I, I knew it was, obviously I knew it was a slow dance, but I was just like, is this a waltz? But I don't know music. Uh, I, honestly, I'd have to pay attention to it uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Anyway. I, I, it's obvious that it's supposed to be a waltz. I don't remember if it has the one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, you know, I think it does. I think it's a remix of one of their backgrounds. Yeah, it's something songs. like that. This is why I collect artists and musicians because I don't have any talent to recognize stuff like that. Um, but anyway, immediately <laughs> as soon as the dance is finished, uh, he gets swamped by a whole bunch of girls, and he's just like, "Okay, I'll dance with each and every one of you." And Mako-chan's like, "Wait, can I have another dance with you later?" And he's like, "Uh, yeah, sure, but I have to dance with all these girls, so just wait for me." And he goes off, and Mako-chan. Mako-chan's behavior just has me going, girl, have some self-respect. Like, I understand that you're young. But she literally stays in this building until they close the building waiting for him. And then she sits outside well, the building. Yeah, and we know this is typical of Mako-chan, though. You know, this is established part of her character where when she has a crush... She has a really toxic attachment to them. I hate it. I you know? hate it. It makes me so upset. It does it does suck. Um, but it is established and I do like that it gets questioned and confronted. Mm-hmm. It's not encouraged. Yeah, I I really you know? love how everyone responds to it because Chibiusa goes back and she realizes Makochan is still waiting for this guy. And she's like, you could, like, he's not here, he's gone. But Tiger's Eye does come back, and Chibiusa turns on him, and she, she's like, what the hell? Mako-chan has been waiting for you this whole day. And he's like, I didn't ask you to wait. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you yeah. don't have to wait here. Yeah. And, uh, but he's genuinely surprised that, you know, she got so attached that she would wait for him. And Mako-chan 
He's yeah. touched. And Makachan yeah. is like, I will continue to wait for you. I will wait for you to- for tomorrow. And he's like, okay, cool. And then leaves. And then later on, they realize Makochan did not leave the college. Everything is closed. The fair is over for the day. And so Usagi and Mamoru go to the college and they see Makochan like, it's raining. It's night. And she's still in her fancy dress. And like, she's under an overhang. So she's not being immediately soaked. And they're like, come home. And she's like, no, I said I would wait for him. I said I would wait forever. And so the other girls show up at this time and they take shifts staying with Mako-chan to make sure she has company because they know they can't get her to go home so they won't let her be alone. Which is, it's so sweet. Like, good friendship moments because it's we, I feel like we really don't get a lot of good friendship moments from this group. Um, Especially not lately. We get some infighting. Yeah, yeah. So it's really nice. It's nice to see them, like, like, they do initially try to tell her, like, why are you doing this? Quit doing this. But when they see that it's not going to make any difference, they, they just, they just show up for their girl, yeah. you know? They're like, if we can't convince you to go home, then we're going to stay here to make sure that you're safe. It, yeah. Which it's is very good. Uh, the next day we see Fisheye winning a beauty competition, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's so happy and then Tiger's Eye like literally pushes to the front of the crown and is like what the fuck are you doing here Fish Eye is like oh yeah that's right I was supposed to give you this and so they leave you know the stage area and they go behind a building where Fish Eye gives him Makachan's picture and Tiger's Eye's like oh shit this girl was hella hitting on me yesterday and they talk about you know not outright saying attacking people for dream mirrors but it, it basically sounds like tiger's eye is just hitting on a whole bunch of women and has no care for their feelings and usagi and chibiusa are in the bushes hearing him say this to fisheye who they think he's with and they're just like this guy is an asshole like oh my god he's the worst person and they get up to confront him he's a womanizer exactly and they get up to confront him but he's already left with fisheye and so tiger's eye goes back to hit on Mako. Uh, and she's with Ami, Rei, and Minako. And uh, Mako-chan's just really happy. And Tiger's Eye is really conflicted because he's never been met with this kind of passion towards him. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like when Minako was playing him in Hawk's Eye. It was just very much Mako-chan is like, I'm so happy you're here. And she means him. And not like an idea. Yeah. And so he's flustered. And then Fisheye is like, this is taking too long. And so he attacks. (laughs) And uh, traps the other three in a net so they can't do anything. And then, of course, it segues into the fight. But yeah, Mako is is upset. She's like, please don't tell me you're one of them. And Tiger's Eye regretfully, like, changes to his normal form. And then he tells her, like, this is your fault for trusting me too quickly. And I'm like, fuck you, Tiger's Eye. You don't have to say that. Yeah. You could have said, don't take it personally. And again, it's... (laughs) Right. And again, this is one of those occasions where it's like, ah, you could have set up their redemption a little bit sooner, Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. didn't. You still made him a dick, you know? Anyway, uh, Fisheye and Tiger's Eye bail as soon as Sailor Moon and Sailor Chibi Moon appear. Uh, We get Shuffle Furokun, who is a creepy card guy. Um, he kind of resembles, like, the card boss from the Wonderland world in Kingdom Hearts, but, like, with 
like a king's, like a card king's head instead of, you know, whatever the fuck that was in Wonderland. And he throws knife-like <laughs> cards. And I'm really proud of Mako-chan because she busts out of the board to to attack. Oh, yeah. She's just like, all right, time to break free. And uh, she does her henshin. She does uh, su- Super Supreme Thunder. And again, all of them have turned, have are using their crystal powers, but we haven't seen any henshins and they haven't used any of their crystal power attacks. Anyway, the episode ends with Mako-chan being like, you know, maybe it was just the atmosphere of the dance and infatuation and what I felt towards him wasn't real. And I wish it had ended there because then Unaziki comes up and it's just like, hey, Mako-chan, the high school is going to have like a dance too. And Mako-chan's like, hell yeah. And like runs out to like celebrate with Unaziki. Yeah. And everyone else yeah. just kind of sighs and it's like, yeah, that's... That's Mako-chan's Hasuga Mako-chan. Episode 148 <laughs> is titled The Trio's Last Chance. Um, they're upset because there's no leads for Pegasus. Fisheye is like, what's going to happen to us if we can't get him? Because we keep failing. And so the target for this episode is Mamoru. Fisheye is going gaga. There's more mild homophobia from Hawk's Eye and Tiger's Eye, etc., etc. Isn't this... Hang on, I need to... Double check what I'm saying. Um, no, it's next episode. Next episode is when they, they actually establish their stakes, mm-hmm. don't they? They literally... Yeah, they don't even do it. Yeah, they literally episode. establish the stakes oh my gosh. and make us try to sympathize with them in one episode. Uh, so in this episode, yeah. all the senshi are in uh, a fish store looking at fish because Amaru wants new fish for his apartment. And I just sat there and I was like, has he always had fish? And I've just never noticed the tank uh and apparently the answer is yes we have some uh good fish advice because usagi is usagi tells him if you want more fish you're gonna need a bigger tank which is correct you can't put a singular fish in a bowl it's not good for them uh-huh. anyway mamoru like moves away from the others fish eye appears is really fucking creepy towards mamoru i know he's hitting on him but he's not doing it in a good way because mamoru is like what the fuck is happening <laughs> Mamoru is creeped out. Mamoru is initially like, oh, wow, because Fisheye does strike, like, a very beautiful figure. But then as soon as Fisheye opens his mouth, it's just like, "Mm, I have to leave now. (laughs) And Mamoru is about to leave and Fisheye accidentally, or pretends to cut his finger on, like, a pane of glass. uh, Because Fisheye's like, I feel sorry for all these fish because they're not able to have a relationship through a pane of glass. And uh, Mamoru, because he wants to be a doctor, like, sees the cut and, like, goes forward to help Fisheye to be a, to bandage. And as soon as he touches Fisheye, Fisheye senses power and is like, what the hell? Like, maybe this guy really does have Pegasus. And then Isagi appears and is mad that Mamoru is holding another girl's hand. And I hate it. But Mamo and Fisheye both jump back away from each other, where Mamo is just like, she cut herself, I'm just trying to help. And then Fisheye very boldly looks Izagi in the eye and is like, oh, is he your boyfriend? I'm going to take him. Like you do. Like you do. Uh, At least Fisheye is honest. Uh, There are definitely some women who try to steal the boyfriends of other women, but they don't announce it. Uh Anyway, so the others... They pretend to be their friends. (laughs) Exactly, oh my god. And then it's just like, why are you being so paranoid? Like, your boyfriend and I are just friends. Anyway, this is not a situation that has ever happened to me, so I I don't have a leg to stand on here. 
I had all kinds of people trying to steal my ex, and I should have just let them have them. You anyway, really should have. I should have. <laughs> my biggest it's regret, just, like, just not sending them on their way. Right? It's just like, I'm going to take your boyfriend. Okay, feel free. Have at. Have at. Um... So anyway, the others come to, because there's a commotion, and Diana, who has gone with them and is in someone's purse, like, pops her head out. She's like, I smell fish. Because this whole time in the fish shop, she's just like, I just want to eat the fish. Um, and Fisheye sees Diana and, like, goes from, like, right up against Mamoru and Isagi to on the opposite side of the room and is like, anyway, bye! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we cut back to the circus where Zikornia is muttering to herself about the lack of progress and then we hear girls giggling and we see sort of the silhouettes of the Amazonas Quartet and they throw an orb down um, which Zirconia catches and Zirconia is like mm, now's not the time next we go back to Fisheye who is stalking Mamoru as he walks down the street and is just like date me and Mamoru is like I have a girlfriend and Fisheye is like no but really date me it's like she doesn't have to know Mamoru is like I have a girlfriend and then Fisheye like pushes him against the wall and tries to kiss him and Mamoru just like keeps moving his head he's just like no I'm not about this and Fisheye is just like why like why won't you kiss me Mamoru is like I have a girlfriend <laughs> <And> <laughs> Like, I love Usagi. And Fisheye's like, why do you love her? And he's like, because she's full of dreams. And Fisheye's like, what the... F like, first of all, I don't know how you would say that. Like, what does that even mean? Maybe right. I'm just, like, too cynical. But, like, I guess it's because Usagi does have a lot of dreams for the future and, like, things she wants to do and goals she wants to reach, regardless yeah. of her status as a senshi or the moon princess. No, it's because Mamoru understood the assignment. He got the memo. He's no he knows what the theme of the season is. So <laughs> the writers told him, Hey Mamoru, this is the dream arc, so every time someone asks you why you love Usagi, you have to say dreams. So whenever possible, link dreams into whatever you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got and it. Got it. He understood got it. the assignment. It's like, right, right, right. Uh, so Fisheye goes back to the circus and he's sulking in a corner and Tiger's Eye finds him because he's just like, what's the big deal about dreams? And Tiger's Eye is like, yo, Zirconia is calling us and we've been looking for you. Like, get off your ass and come with us. And so Fisheye is just like, what even is the point of dreams? And Tiger's Eye is like, that's not relevant to the discussion. And so Fisheye attacks him and does the one, two, three and tries to get a dream mirror out. But like initially a mirror starts to come out and then it fizzles out and no longer exists. And both of them are surprised and Fisheye is just like, I knew it. We don't have dreams. And then passes by Tiger's Eye who is just like, please let me off the board. <laughs> <laughs> and so the trio stands before Zirconia and it took them 20 episodes to tell us about Queen Nehelenia. There are 38 episodes in this season. Yeah, I almost feel like as we're getting to this episode and through the next episode and well, this and the next two, as we are getting through these next few episodes, it starts to become obvious to me that I think the Amazon trio has just been a filler arc, just like the Doom Tree arc. You know, they just... Mm -hmm pick some minor existing characters rather than um, making something up, you know? It's really frustrating. It's really frustrating where they're just like, we're just going to split these two groups up and we're just going to fill time. 
and then yeah. they have to rush the whole story in 18 episodes. Yeah, it's very and they confusing. rush it, and they rush it so much that they spend the first six episodes of Stars finishing up Super Us. Yeah, the the pacing is super weird. It's not good. Anyway, uh, Zirconia opens up her arms, the weird face on her robe that does hasn't existed so far in the anime, but exists in the manga, like moves and kind of like forms the outline of Nehalenia's face, at which point Nehalenia talks and is like, if you fuck up again, your magic will be taken away, you'll be destroyed. And they're like, what does that mean? And uh, it's revealed to them that they were all, that they're just humanized forms of animals. So they didn't know, unlike in the manga, where they are animals who are, who are aware that they have been turned into human form and will be able to keep that human form if the Deadly Circus wins. And yeah. we finally get a mention of the Golden Crystal, except it's not in Mamachan. It's on Pegasus. It's Pegasus's horn. Yeah. So... Fisheye is like, I'm pretty certain that Mamoru has Pegasus in his dream mirror because, again, he sends that power. So he stalks Mama-chan again. But this time he's he's a little sad about it because he's like, I'm going to die if I don't win. And tells Mamoru, like, pretend to be my lover. Like, we don't actually have to be boyfriend and girlfriend, but at least pretend because I'm going to die in a few months. And Mamoru's like, that is the saddest fucking thing I've ever heard. That's not a real dream. <laughs> Unlike when Ray said, like, dating a guy, like, Tenario, like, dating a guy out of pity is not the same thing as love. Mamori holds no punches. He's just like, that is so sad. And Fisheye is like, fuck you, actually. And so he attacks. Um, and we meet Tobi Hanaru, which is a weird space-time trampoline guy. Do you have a better description for him? No, not really. <laughs> okay, cool. Anyway, I don't care for Tobi Hanaru. Uh, the Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Chibi Moon appear, and they scold Fisheye for attacking Mamoru, and Super Sailor Moon says, like, how dare you go after the most handsome man in the world? This is important for later. And Fisheye, meanwhile, is surprised that Pegasus isn't in Mamoru's mirror, and as the girls fight Tobi Hanaru, uh, he kisses Mamoru's cheek and then bails, and the episode ends with civilian Fisheye on a bench in the rain, being sad and then usagi comes by with her umbrella sees fisheye and is like hey this isn't good behavior for a rival you can't be my rival if you're like this which again shows how sweet usagi is even towards people who are her enemy like granted she doesn't know fisheye is literally fisheye but she knows that fisheye is after her man which she does not want and she's yeah, still being far, nice as far as she knows this is just uh, a a clingy, obnoxious girl who's been after her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. um, uh. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. segues right on into the next episode, because we actually pick up where we left off with uh, Fisheye outside in the rain, um, being sat on a bench. And Isagi is sweet enough to um, ask him to come home with her. And, of course, she, she thinks Fisheye is a girl. So, um, uh, helps him dry off and, um, you know, warm gives up. Gives her a change of clothes, gives, gives him a towel, asks, you know, asks, asks questions about her, you know, to be nice. Because clearly this is a person who is suffering in some way, shape, or form. And Usagi is a kind person. Um, and at this point, Fisheye brings in Mamoru and is just like, you know, 
I guess this is why Mamoru likes you. You know, like he said, you were full of dreams. And Isaki's just like, when the fuck did you talk to Mama Chan? Like, you need to leave my man alone. <laughs> yeah. But, and Fisha is just like, I, I envy people with dreams. And Isagi's just like, yeah, okay. But, like, for real, though, don't go near Mamo. Yeah. But also ask, like, um, ask Usagi what her dreams are. And um, Usagi's like, well, can't you tell? And there's, like, a photo right there of Mamoru and Usagi. And Fushai notices the way Mamoru is smiling in that picture. And was like, you know, is that the way he smiles when they're together? And he can visually see the way Mamoru responds to Usagi versus other people, you know? That... They're mm-hmm. clearly just happy together. And Fisheye's just kind of reflecting on this. And um, uh, Usagi's mom randomly asks her to well, run... Befo- s- bef- well, before oh. then, um, like, Fisheye asks why does she love Mamaru in addition to, like, wanting to be with him forever, etc., etc. Usagi mm-hmm. says, um, and, like, in addition to all of Mamaru's obvious good traits, she says... Uh, and also, he's the most handsome man in the world, which has Fisheye going, that is exactly what Sailor Moon just said. And realizes oh, yeah. that Usagi is Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. That's when Mama calls out Usagi to go grocery shopping or to, like, go pick something up. So Usagi's like, I will be right back. You stay here. Get dry. Get warm. And Fisheye is like, what the fuck? Like, I'm in yeah. Sailor Moon's house and, like, leaves the room and sees Chibisa go upstairs. And so he follows her and because she's going up to, like, her little attic room. And as he kind of, like, goes up and just just peeks, so Chibiusa doesn't see him, he sees Chibiusa talking to Pegasus in the little grail thing, and he's like, holy shit, she's the Pegasus host. And, like, his, like, the human hand turns into, like, his creepy little scaly fish hand. And then we cut to Isaki coming home, and Ikuko Mama going like, oh, isn't Chibiusa with you? And Isaki's like, no, I went by myself. And Ikuko's like, well, I can't find Shibiusa. And so we go back to the circus. Fisheye is like, I found Pegasus's host. And Zirconia is like, oh my god, bring them to me. And Fisheye doesn't. Fisheye is straight up like, can you guarantee that we will become actual humans with dreams if I give you Pegasus? And Zirconia is gonna look furious. Like yeah. Yeah. Are, are we just going to look like humans or are we going to actually be human? Because there's a difference. Because if mm-hmm. we can't actually be human, what's the point? Right. And Zirconia is furious and, like, does the kind of psychic attack so that, like, Fisheye kind of collapses, like, with chest pain. And she uses Zircon to be like, okay, who are you talking to that you think is Pegasus's host? And Zircon shows Isaki being nice to Fisheye. And she's like, ah, so this is the host. And Fisheye's like, no, she's not. Like, don't attack her because... Usagi was nice to him. And so she's just like, you have to go and you have to capture her, like, or you're all going to be destroyed. And then Hawkseye steps forward and is like, I'm I'm going to do it. And Fisheye's like, you can't. But Hawkseye leaves. And so Zirconia tells Tiger's Eye, you know, like, you have to look after Fisheye and make sure that he doesn't do anything stupid. Oh, before Hawkseye leaves, like, Zirconia shows them the orb and is like, this is the thing that allows you to have human form. It's just and like a random orb. Not- yeah, it's just, it's kind of, like, liquidy-ish almost with, like, this weird golden core. And it's just, like, if you can't, if I can't use a golden crystal on this, like, you will never, you will revert to your animal forms. And so Tiger's Eye is supposed to look after Fisheye and prevent him from doing anything stupid. And Fisheye is, like, you know, as Hawks, as Tiger's Eye helps 
make him stand up. Fisheye's like, no, it's okay. I can stand on my own. And then f- he does a backflip out to teleport to stop Hawk's Eye. And Tiger's Eye goes after him. And Zerkuddy is like, eh, whatever. And basically tells, like, the shadowy quartet girls, like, you might have to take care of this. And meanwhile, Isagi and the others are looking for Chibiusa. And Isagi accidentally leads them to where she found Fisheye, because Fisheye has also disappeared from her house. But doesn't tell- they're like, why did you bring us here if Chibiusa wasn't here before? But she doesn't tell them about Fisheye, and so they all split up into different parts. And at this point, Isagi is caught by Hawkseye. Like, immediate, there's no- there's nothing. There's no scenario. Hawkseye is just like, hey. Yeah. And then bam. In, and in, in s- English, he's just like, I'm sorry about this. You're really not my type. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, like, kind of apologetic about it. Just like, look, I just, I have to do this, you know? <laughs> and it's kind of comedic. Like, it's very, it's very quick. And then, yeah, he captures mm-hmm. her to, to check out her dream. Yeah. So Fisheye shows up and tries to stop Hawkeye. To, to let Isaki go, because, like, the dream mirror is out, and Fisheye's, like, let her go, like, release her. And as Hawkeye is, like, starting to kind of relent, we meet a new Lemures, who is made from, like, a hat, like, a little party hat and one of the Amazon's quartet orbs, and it's Mr. Magic Piero, and I fucking hate him. Oh, he's really weird. He's creepy. He's really He's creepy. so creepy looking. Like, so, yeah. anyone who has a fear of clowns, like, don't look at him. <laughs> so... Yeah, the uh, the Amazon trio get attacked rather than the heroes by this this you know third party Limeres. <laughs> right, he's he literally shows up and he's like, "I've been sent to get rid of what's unneeded," meaning the trio, and he throws these balls around and uh, it ricochets off and it misses Fisheye and Hawkseye and it hits Usagi's dream mirror and it shatters so- Usagi. Usagi falls to the ground on top of these shards, like, dead-eyed. And, um, as Tiger's Eye, Fisheye, and Hawk's Eye, like, avoid fighting this deer, like, try to take him down, Fisheye is about to get got with a shot, and Hawk's Eye takes it. Hawk's Eye takes the shot. Uh, like, it's a big hole in his chest, and then Hawk's Eye does his last attack, which is to breathe fire, um, at the Piero guy, who, of course, dodges it. And then Hawkseye dies. No, he absorbs it fish. into his hat. Oh, that's right. He absorbs it. And, you know, Hawkseye dies in Fisheye's arms. And it's like, I didn't want to go after her, but I didn't want us to disappear. Like, I wanted to, to be with all of you. And then he dies. And Fisheye looks up. Because Tiger's Eye has the orb that allows him to have human form. And Fisheye looks at Tiger's Eye and is like, no matter what, we're going to lose. But that uh-huh. girl can save us. She's Sailor Moon. Yeah. It's like even and, even if if we even if we t- get turned human, they're just gonna kill us. So mm-hmm. we're gonna die regardless. So can we use our because they they say in English something like they'll get one wish, and and so Fisheye is like, can we use it to save that girl? You know, to save mm-hmm. to save Sailor Moon. Um, and Tiger's Eye agrees, and so the orb restores her dream mirror. Isaki gets put back together. Um, Fisheye opens up a portal, and like a frozen Chibiusa falls out of it because Fisheye did a good job. Actually, it was just too late. Yeah, this this is why you have to treat your employees well. Yeah, <laughs> you could have won, but if you weren't an asshole to your employee, they were that close. Anyway. 
this close. So Chibi says, unfrozen. Usagi is restored. They're both like, what the fuck? Mr. Magic Piro is like, uh-oh. And so they both transform. Uh, the other senshi appear, because remember, they're all sort of nearby-ish. They defeat Mr. Magic Piero, but because that orb was used to restore Usagi, the Amazon trio, are like who remains Tiger's Eye and Fish Eye, are laid out on the ground, and they die. And um, it's sad. And then Pegasus has shown up, because, you know, he's, he has to be the Firmingoter's meditation, and... As the Amazon trio die, they revert to their animal form. So a hawk, a tiger, and a really pretty fish that I do not know how to identify. And Pegasus says, you know, I can do something about this, essentially. And he transforms their bodies back into uh, those human forms. And they lift up and, like, dream mirrors are revealed. And it's, I put it down as, like, the Little Mermaid getting a soul at the end of, like, the original Hans Christian Andersen story. Oh, yeah, I could see that. And, and so uh, they can be reborn now as people because now they have souls, I guess, because any anybody who has dreams can find salvation, I think is specifically what Pegasus says. Uh, and then he takes their souls to his dark little forest. And that's the end of the Amazon trio. And I don't think I'm going to have to do... I hope I don't have to do any more trigger warnings before episodes now. <laughs> yeah. They, they change up the formula pretty soon here, so they no longer mm-hmm. had to, like... But we'll get into that. Yeah, and yeah. again, like, they they wrap it up very nicely. And, like, this episode, had they been planting these seeds all along, they could have made these characters a lot more endearing, you know? Because mm-hmm. it, it felt... I did enjoy this episode, and I did uh, have some sympathy for them. Mostly because, like... All the, all the stuff was very cartoony, so like it is coded as assault, but it's very cartoony. So it's 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 um not impossible to just overlook it as as fantasy stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's they could have been made to be more sympathetic all along, though. Is what I wish they had done, uh, rather than trying to to get us to sympathize last minute. Because, like, the yeah. orb thing, the orb, they, they literally introduce this episode. We're like, and here's mm-hmm. a MacGuffin. And mm-hmm. you need this to become human. And, yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, where did that come from? When was this a thing? Yeah, literally all the, I mean, we should talk about this in, like, the anime um, observation episode. But I totally agree with what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've just figured because uh, this is this is the last episode the Amazon trio is in, so just kind of reflecting on them a little bit. Of course, we'll get into that more. Um, and the and their character analysis, and their characters, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and and now they they kind of they set up that they're gonna segue to the Amazon quartet, but the Amazon yep. quartet, but we haven't met them quite yet. Um, we we sort of have. So episode 150 has the opening where, like, previously it showed the Amazon trio with Tiger's Eye, you know, flicking his whip. Uh, Now it's the Amazonist Quartet. I love these girls. I love their stupid outfits. Everything about them is perfect. Their hair is all all over the place. Their hair. Oh, my God. It's perfect. I love their voices. Like, they're very girly and they're rude and I love them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This episode finally gives us Nehalenia 
and her mirror, we see Nehalenia in her full beautiful form with her gorgeous outfit and her gorgeous hair and her cat eye eyes. And she's talking to Zirconia uh, and tells Zirconia that this whole time there has been no need to extract dream mirrors and to shove your head in them. If Pegasus is in it, the dream mirror will be yeah, gold, not pink. would have been nice to know earlier. Because, uh, yeah, because Zirconia is like, I don't know how we're supposed to do this. And she's like, oh, well, it's you, we don't have to look for them so so um, so thoroughly. You don't have to look inside every single mirror. It's like, well, would have been good to know. The they bad really guys do. lose because they have really poor management skills. That's that's literally it. Anyway, uh, Zirconia leaves Nehalenia by calling her the true moon queen. And whatever. So, meantime, uh, Momo and Chibiusa are in the Crown Arcade, and I'm very excited. And Mapoki is finally putting up posters for the circus. Like, they literally say in this episode, oh, they're posters for this for the tent that has just been in Juban for, like, the last however many weeks. Yeah. Again, I'm so annoyed. <laughs> uh... Isagi and Mamoru enter the arcade, you know, they talk about the circus, and then Momo admires Isagi and Mamoru's relationship, because they're so cute together, and she says she can't wait to grow up and have a love like theirs, and then we hear, like, some really loud uh, arcade shooting, and in the corner are, are the Amazonist Quartet, who were just destroying <laughs> this game, not literally, just, like, doing really well. I just want to be very clear, they're not destroying a machine, they are destroying they are the game metaphorically and <laughs> they're winning and as soon as they're done they turn to our mains and they're like it's way better to be a kid because adult responsibilities suck yep, and i was just like they're true. right can verify it's so true <laughs> and then they have their own little creepy cult theme song which is never forget to remember a child's dream is a dream of dreams and i'm no, like I'm, is that what they, that's what they say in english right I mean, it's not great in Japanese either. I don't like never forget to remember a child's um, dreams, dream of dreams. Always what is remember it and never forget uh, a child's dream is a dream they should never get. Oh, that's awful. It is awful. And then everybody keeps chanting it for way too long. They keep chanting this. So in this episode and the next episode, they keep chanting that. And I'm like, I hate this. There's nothing about this that's good. <laughs> anyway, no. returning to the Dead Moon returning to the Dead Moon Circus, we see those background circus people like we saw in the first couple episodes of the season, which I love. Um, and then the Amazonist Quartet are standing before Zirconia, and they're straight up like, Yeah, we don't have to listen to you. And Zirconia's like, yeah. You absolutely have to listen to me. And they're like, actually, we took a vote and we decided we don't have to. And fuck you, we're going to fight you. And Vespes literally jumps up and starts to attack Zirconia and almost takes her out. And Zirconia just barely manages to push her back and throw her on the ground. And Zirconia is thinking like, fuck, if all four of them take me on, they can destroy me. But because she's just pushed back Vespes, the girls are a little intimidated and think and so she's, she takes advantage of the situation, and she's just like, don't fucking test me, I will destroy all of you. And uh, because you tried to attack me, it's your job to go after this week's target, and it's Momo. And uh, Vespes is like, okay, I guess, because, you know, you proved that you're stronger. 
And so she goes and finds Shibuya and Momo outside of the arcade. And it's just really weird. Like, it's very obvious this person has never interacted with other human beings. And says to Shibuya, says to Momo, like, sorry for being super weird at the arcade earlier. Let me apologize. And they're like, you, you still, you're still super weird. This is, this is a very weird situation. Uh, but she shoves a bunch of circus tickets into their hands and leaves. And so the next day, Usagi and the girls take Chibiusa and Momo to the circus because they're chaperoning them. And Usagi is really, really excited to be at the circus. It's just understandable. And during a trapeze show, the Amazonas Quartet basically use it to hypnotize Momo so she gets up out of her seat and leaves so they can uh, victimize her, which is honestly really smart. Yeah, they they go about it in a much smarter way. Um, I like how in this interpretation only they're... Because they, they had the hypnotism happen in the manga as well, at the circus. Mm-hmm. But in this version, only the victim gets hypnotized for some reason. Which I think works. It, it gets to the point more easily. Yeah, um, it fits within what they've already established. Right. And um, so... But of course, because Mama didn't come by herself... Chibis is like, uh, why is my best friend just randomly leaving in the middle of a performance? And so she calls Usagi's attention to it. And meanwhile, like, Momo is, like, walking through, you know, like, hypnotized walking through, like, kind of a maze, essentially, until she wakes up and she's confronted by the Amazonist Quartet, uh, at which point they attack. And instead of doing the one, two, three board move, they do a pool cue move. So they basically take a ball and it ricochets off of, they, you know, have a pool cue and they have a ball and they shoot it and the ball ricochets off a bunch of things before hitting the target in the back and pushing out the dream mirror, which is, of course, pink. And so they're like, boo, it's not <laughs> what we're looking for. And Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Chibi Moon appear. Um, and they're like, hey, you can't do this shit. And the Amazonas Quartet are like, uh, watch us. And then they summon, uh, what is it? Gara Gara Musume, which is like this really creepy looking snake girl, different from Heavy Chemical oh, yes. She's a great design. I love, it's a beautiful design. It's, it's a great design, but horrifying. Uh, and so yeah. she comes out and I think she has like, like, she does have like two mouths, right? Like she's a person on top and then there's still like a snake mouth. Yeah. Or am I remembering that wrong? Yeah. And so. No, it's something uh, like that. Okay, so Gara Gara Musume eats Momo's dream mirror. I'm not entirely sure why. I think it's just like, eh, it's not what we're looking for, but we're going to ruin your life anyway. Which is on brand for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they seem to just be a, a group of little shits, you know? It's great. They're like little gangsters. They uh, are. They're- so Chibiusa is immediately like, absolutely not. You cannot do this to my best friend. You know, meanwhile, the inners have shown up as well because they were all together. And so Chibi Moon runs up and, uh, like, sho- like shoves herself into the mouth, like, literally holding it open so that she can dive into the snake's mouth to pull her friend's mirror out from its stomach, which is just amazing. She fails, but, like, the fact that she tried at all is amazing. Yeah. So. Well, and of course, she's going to try, though. It's her best friend. I know. Anyway, the girls beat Gata Gata, uh, when Pegasus first shows up for the Moon Gorgeous Meditation Power Up, the Amazonas Quartet are like, wow, so pretty, so cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, uh, they get defeated, the Amazonas Quartet retreats, Momo is restored, and at the end, we don't go to the Amazon Trio Bar, we go to what appears to be a tiki-themed 
massage parlor <laughs> where they're being massaged by yeah. invisible attendants. And yeah. it's great. <laughs> they got to de-stress after everything. They're like, that was rough. Uh, but now we know what we're up against. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends with Zirconia trying to warn Nehalenia that the Amazonas Quartet are unpredictable and uh, could turn against them. And Nehalenia is like, uh, no, they won't. <laughs> yeah. Again, poor management going on all around. It's genuinely. Um, so with the Amazonas Quartet, I appreciate that they're setting up from the beginning that they don't like their job. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not, they haven't made them sympathetic per se, but uh, I can get behind the fact that they already dislike their management, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it does set them up nicely for redemption if they go direct that direction later on. Right. Um, I do know, like, spoiler alert, the Amazonas Quartet um, does not become the asteroid century in the anime. So... We don't have that, but I I do recall that they get uh, purified. Mm-hmm. So, which is nice. Which is good. I like I like that because I love the Amazon Quartet. <laughs> yeah, I like him too. Um, I had forgotten uh, during uh, prior to this rewatch that they're kind of coded as younger, mm-hmm. right? Are they supposed to be close to Chibiusa's age? They. They're definitely younger than the century. Yeah, they're younger, I think, they're younger in the manga, but I think they're even younger than their manga counterparts. They seem to be more, like, 12-ish. 12 to 14-ish. Like, kind of like Shingo's age, huh? Yeah, a little bit. So kind of between the ages of Chibiusa and the senshi. Yeah, but they got boobs. But they do have, well, I mean. (laughs) Not big ones. But they have boobs. I mean, those those can happen early, you know? This is this is true. And I feel bad for every girl who has to experience early breast development because Thank it sucks. <laughs> it's it's it sucks. I'm very it glad does. that like mine didn't show up like didn't even start to show up until I was about eleven. Yeah. Which is probably but, why yeah. I'm part of the average size of boobs. But yeah. <laughs> That I feel like age. I'm giving away a lot of personal information in this episode that I might have to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I think most of our listeners are probably ladies anyways, right? Yeah. Y'all know but, what's up. Y'all know but what's still, up. But still. Um, okay, so episode 151, I love the way this episode opens because it's beautiful. It's Ami and like a mountain backdrop with ginkgo leaves falling all about her as she looks up into the sky. I love it. Yeah, this is just a nice one. It's genuinely beautifully animated. Mm-hmm. Because we don't see a lot about Ami, we don't see a lot about her father, which is kind of important for her, her character. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's sitting there... With the the ginkgo leaves falling, she's kind of imagining some of this, and she's listening to music, and um, she's writing. You know, we yeah. see that like all the leaves falling and stuff like that is kind of like her imagination as she's mm-hmm. listening to this music and writing something. Um, and then she's interrupted by uh, Chibiusa and her friends who are 
like, actually, we've been here for a while. She's like, oh, oh, sorry, how long have you been there? And they're like, yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh-huh. And um, they, they do did, this... grab her notebook. Huh? They do grab her notebook because they think that she's studying and that she yeah. just got really involved in studying. And then they're like, this isn't, these aren't notes. These aren't study notes. And Ami's like, give it back, give it back, give it back. And then they realize, oh, these are romantic lyrics. These are romance song lyrics. And Ami has to, like, share the song. She's like, I found this song on the internet. And everyone's like, the fuck is the internet? Because, again, I think when this came out, it was, like, 1996, 1995, 1996. Mm. Uh, and so the cats have to... They explained it a little different in English. Or at least mm. in the dub. They they oh. say that she's she's doing internet networking. And oh. um they they said, you know, what's an internet network? And mm. they're basically yeah, basically she's talking about forums, how you can get online and enter like creative forums and talk with people about different things and network via the internet. Mm. So I think that that's kind of what they said in Japanese. I just didn't I just summarized it as she found a song on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds um, but the like cats... it was published to a forum is what I was picking up. Probably, yeah. Um, because it's still really early days. Like, forums were the way to communicate with people, um, especially to share uh, files. You weren't really sharing files through, like, AIM or other mess- instant messaging services. I don't think you could at that point because the files would be too big. Ah. Especially for dial-up. So mm-hmm. you could upload it to a forum and it could be downloaded from there. And uh, the cats have to explain what the internet is to the girls because they don't know, which is fair. Because again, 1995, 1996, even if you had a computer, which was rare for most households, uh, it was even rare to have the internet. Uh, I really like this song. The music is actually really lovely. Yeah, it's pretty. And for once, it's not just a random Suzuki song they picked. Mm hmm. Because a lot of, hmm? oh, it's just a lot of the times when they have like a classical music piece, it's, it seems like it's ripped straight from the catalog of uh, Suzuki lessons. That's right. You've mentioned that before. Yeah. So this is original piece, it seems mm-hmm. like. Uh, it's, it's lovely. Mako-chan wonders out loud, like what kind of man could write such a beautiful song? And Luna says something that I really like, which was a woman could have written this. Like, and then they all... Or, like, there's no way a woman wrote this. And I'm like, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) A woman Uh, could have written this. In English, it came across with the impression that don't spoil the fun of us trying to imagine a cute guy writing this. It didn't come across as a woman couldn't have written this. I'm really glad because that's not how it came across in Japanese. Okay, dang. (laughs) They were just like, no. It, it really yeah. felt like, no, I don't want to think about a woman writing this. I guess it was, like, similar, but it was definitely not as positive as the way you said it was phrased in English. Yeah, I don't think it was exactly phrased that way, but that's that's what I was picking up, you know? Okay. <laughs> that's the impression I got. Uh, anyway, at the Dead Moon Circus, the Amazon Quartet are pursuing and harassing Zircon. And, like, this poor little winged eyeball is just like, I just, like, please leave me alone. And they're like, we're going to catch you. We're going to torture you. We're going to kill you. We're going to eat you. 
And Zircon's like, please leave me alone. And Vespas actually manages to grab him at the end, but Zirconia arrives just in time, yells at them to leave her pet alone. Zircon, like, goes to Zirconia, because that's his mom. And Zirconia is just like, okay, like, give me a photo, like, for our victim this week. And Zircon produces a photo, but because Zircon had been messed with so severely by the Amazonas Quartet, it comes out really blurry. So you can't even tell who the person is. And Zirconia is just like, and when they complain, like, we can't do anything with a blurry photo. Zirconia is like, this is your fault, figure it out. And in the Tiki room, they're trying to figure out how to do this. And Palapal is like, let me try to use my magic powers. But instead of getting a clearer picture, they get the song that we've heard at the beginning of the episode. And it's like, can't you do anything better? And she was like, you're lucky I got this much. I love Mm -hmm. these girls. Yeah. So so clearly that means that our target is a musician. Mm -hmm. And so because Vespas is the one who last touched Zircon, they blame her. And they're like, you have to do this mission. And so she's like, okay, fine. Uh, Meanwhile, Ami is on the internet and she's still writing the the lyrics. And she communicates with the composer uh, who posted it. And he's, he's called NT on the internet. They do say his real name later, but I didn't write it down. I forgot. So I'm just going to keep calling him NT-san because that's what she calls him on the internet. And at this point, she gets a package from her dad. And fuck her dad. He doesn't call her. He doesn't write her. He just sends her sketches. Not even completed paintings. Just the initial sketch of wherever he's traveling of the thing that he's going to turn into a painting. And she's so touched by it. She's just like, dad lets me know where he is through sketches. Fuck you, Mr. Mizuno. You're the worst man ever. Yeah, she does view it in a very positive way. But yeah, unfortunately, it's like, uh, is that really okay, though? You know? It's not. It's not okay. He is the worst dad. And, like, I'm counting, like, Ray's... Like, Ray's dad is also, like, abusive and neglectful. But sometimes he shows up. Like, Ray knows where he is. Granted, that's only in the manga and not in the anime, but, like... He exists. You know? Yeah. Like, he's in the same country. He's in the same city. Whereas Ami has no idea wherever the fuck her father is. So, anyway, I hate him. Yeah. It's uh, very frustrating. <laughs> um, at the Crown Cafe, she shares her finished lyrics with everyone. Everyone's really impressed. Do you remember why Ray and Usagi start sniping at each other? Because I didn't write it down. Uh, I'm sure it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They, <laughs> they snipe it. This is just what they do. Uh, Diana comes into the cafe, and when the, the camera moves to show Diana coming in, we see Umino and Naru in a booth. Uh. Like, they're just there. They're frozen. You know, it's just like a still as, like, Diana runs down to the booth where the girls are. But I, like, and it's just for a second, but I was just like, that's Naru's hair. And, like, I had to, like, rewind a little bit. And I was like, those are Umino's glasses, because he's oh, his nice. back is facing I don't Umino. think I caught that. You can still see, like, the, the edge of his glasses, and I'm like, it's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I ve- caught that. Yeah, I was very pleased. Um, but Diana runs in and is just like, I found him. I found the songwriter. And they're like, what? And they go, and it's this guy playing the piano at a restaurant. And the girls are all there watching him play, and they wait for him to finish. So they wait at a back door until their shift is over. Because they want Ami to talk to this guy. And Ami's like, I don't want to talk to a stranger. And like, girl, same. 
<laughs> it's it's way easier to talk to strangers on the internet than in real life. I've been there. I'm still there. But yeah, so he comes out and they approach him and they're like, hey, our friend wants to talk to you. And she's just like, I've heard your song on the internet. Are you like NT, son? And he's like, what? And then he's he's like, oh my god, are you Ami? Or like Mizuno, like on the internet. I don't remember what he said her, her screen name was. But he's so excited to meet her because they've been uh, conversing on the internet for so long that he's he just grabs her hands and like they're just he's just really excited to meet her which is very sweet but like all the girls are like get your hands off of Ami like we don't know you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's just like fair fair that is definitely way too forward but he's he's really happy to meet her and meet all her friends so he invites them all back to his studio where he composes songs and so they all go um and we get there and there is a woman wrapping up a piano lesson with a little girl. And it turns out this is a woman named Kyoko, uh, who is his co-composer and his girlfriend. Neither of them say they're dating, but it's just a, it's just presented that way. So they don't seem yeah. to deny it. But like, as they go in and they see her, like one of the girls like nudges Ami and is like, oh, I guess he's got a girlfriend. So no luck there. Um, which Ami doesn't really feel that bad about. She's just really interested in the music. And uh, NT and Kyoko talk about, you know, their dream is to compose music and to play music, but they do lessons on the side and they play in like the restaurant because they still have to make money to survive. And, um, you know, but it's still their dream to become world famous composers. And Ami at this point is like, where do I get off feeling like I can write lyrics for their music? Like, I'm just some kid. These are trained professionals. Yeah. And so you start seeing her get progressively more and more insecure. And it's not that, you know, it on the outside with the girl, the way the girls have been, like, it, it kind of comes across outwardly, like maybe she's upset that he has um, a girlfriend. But really, it is just where, you know, she's doubting herself. Like, these are creators. These are artists. You know, my father is an artist. These two are an artist. I'm not an artist. Um, mm -hmm. especially when, it, when they're asking like, oh, when they're talking to the two, the two composers, their dream is to become great composers. And they turn and I, they ask Ami, like, what's your dream? And she's like, a, a f hesitant to say anything. And Chupu's well, yeah, like, her dream is to be a doctor. Like, yeah, because oh, they well, assume that she really wants, smart. they assume she wants to be a songwriter. Yeah. Because she's come yeah. with lyrics. Yeah, and so Ami doesn't want to share it because she feels like she has no right to be there. Like, you know, who am I? These two are actual artists. I'm just some girl who wrote some lyrics, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so she runs off, and she runs off crying. I feel bad for her. Yeah, I know. I really, I think this is the first Ami episode in a long time where I just really felt like her character was shown, and I related super hard to it. Yeah, so often it's just a caricature of her. She gets flan uh, flanderized, you know? Mm-hmm. And it really shows, you know, like, because as a former gifted kid, you know, like, the pressure and insecurity that you feel when all of the adults around you tell you you're a genius uh, and that you have a lot of potential and you can kind of do anything, the, the pressure and fear of success and failure is so big and so present in your mind and you know you're not allowed to fail 
and you're not really allowed to try things if not immediately gifted at them. And so you find yourself cutting things out because, you know, you suck at it. And if you suck at it, then people will say, I thought you were a genius and you're not good at this. And I love that they show that with Ami, that, that even though she's a genius and she's good at school and she's got, and she's going to be a doctor and she knows so much, there are still things that she really doesn't feel like she can measure up to. Well, yeah. And she's, she sees, she has imposter syndrome, you know, she sees herself put into this box. It's like, oh, I'm not an artist. There are people who are artists and there are people who are not artists is where she's placed herself. And she Mm -hmm. thinks because she is aiming to be a doctor, she is a smart one. She's, she's the, um, a logical person. It's like, she doesn't see that she has any right to step into a creative space or any ability within that space, you know, Mm -hmm. not realizing that you can be both, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. I think it would definitely be relatable for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, children and adults. Tend, children and adults, because we do tend to put ourselves in boxes like that. So I like that they do that. And they're, they, um, so yeah, uh, so she runs off um, without sharing her lyrics. Um, Diana runs after her. Uh, but before things could get resolved with that, she does get attacked by Vesves. Um, Not wait, Ami, but the atta- composers. No, sorry, the composers get attacked by Vesves before she. Can I don't know. Out. I don't know where the girls are. I don't remember because I just wrote down like this happens. Um, I guess they're around. I guess they like retreat to do their henshin, but the composers get attacked. Kyoko is knocked out. Uh, NT gets his dream mirror pushed out. Uh, and as, like, the Sentry minus Ami, you know, show up to fight, Vespas sends out Kero Kero Musume, who is a frog. Kero Kero yeah. is the onomatopoeia for frogs, which is why uh, in Sanrio, Keropi is a frog. I also noticed it looks a lot like an automaton. Yeah. Um, anyway, Sailor Moon, Sailor Chibi Moon, Mars and Venus and Jupiter, they all stand up to Vespas and Kero Kero, and Ami returns, but she's not transformed. And Vespas is like, uh, anyway, and then shoves them all into NT's computer and is like, I've trapped you in the computer forever. And Ami has a crisis of faith. And it's like a whole thing where like, she like falls into that sort of mountain scene, but she's naked. And I remember not minding this as a teenager, but now as an adult, I'm kind of like, why does she have to be naked? Uh, and it's it kind is of censored, like, though, and it it does carry over from the manga. You know, it does, it, it does. But I guess just because she stands there naked for a little bit too long for me as an adult, maybe I've just gotten more conservative as I've gotten older. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of a watered down version of like what happens in the manga when each of them awakens to their crystal power, because yeah. she's confronted by herself as Sailor Mercury, who's, you know, but it's not a Princess Mercury scene. There's no princess dresses. I'm like, eh, this. you could have made it missed, better and you chose not to. Missed opportunity. Truly a missed opportunity. Again, I don't know why they're allergic to good fashion in the manga. Uh, but we get our first Mercury Crystal Power Henshin, 
which is the same as all the other henchins. Her outfit is just a little different. And we get our very first Mercury Aqua Rhapsody. Yay! It busts them all out of the computer. Uh, Keto Keto is defeated by all of the senshi. Vespas retreats. The mirror is restored. Uh, and then everyone just sits around talking about Ami's lyrics as if the attack didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but NT and They're... Kyoko do really like Ami's lyrics for their song. Yeah, they do. And they, they say they can tell um, that she was really touched by the music to be able to create something so beautiful. And they yeah. thank her for, for writing it. Mm-hmm. They seem like really um, good people. Yeah, and I like how setting up, I like how they use music in the episode to set up Mercury, develop her, developing her Mercury Aqua Rhapsody spell, or attack, you know, because she pulls out her harp, she, she strums some music, and then the attack happens, and it's very fitting, it kind of, it's like, what? You guys, you guys actually linked something together? Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I hate to say it, but a lot of Sailor Moon, the anime, is just kind of stuff happens out of nowhere. And they're mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, music theme. Let's link this to the music theme. As it turns out, right. Ami is musically inclined. That's why her attack is a rhapsody. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. It's not out of nowhere. You know? Yeah, there there is a link. I fully missed that, but thanks for picking up on it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, the whole thing is music theme and her attack is Rhapsody, which is a music thing. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Do you guys see why I collect artists? Hmm. See, if I was a millionaire, I would be like one of those like patron of the arts types of millionaire where I just like oh, hire right. artists to make stuff. I would why don't I have money? because i would be because i would be too powerful and i'm not allowed to have power anyway (laughs) shall we close out yeah let's close out this again this has been a fun set of episodes this is a good swath of them i hope moving forward we keep having fun with these ones yeah same you know the weakest episode of this whole batch was uh roman holiday and we got to talk about roman holiday (laughs) Yeah, we at least got to remember a much better property. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at OshioKiyoPod or contact us through email at OshioKiyoThePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Barbara Daly for the use of her artwork. Please rate and review us wherever you find us. Or, Tsukini Gawa de Oshiokiyo!